Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stay in Your Lane. I'm your host, John Maley, brought to you by Triple T Transport. Today, we got one of my dear friends, Thomas Kern. You guys have seen him before on Supply Chain Squares, and you've also seen him on an earlier uh, podcast we did uh, last year talking about AB5, why I invited Thomas back because uh, I like Thomas. He is a partner with Walter Haverfield. So those of you that might need some legal support or direction in the future, you're going to want to look up Thomas Kern. He's a partner at Walter Haverfield. But the purpose for today is to get an update on where we are on where we stand on AB5. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we should probably just do a quick background, right? So the uh, uh, district court uh, enjoined enforcement based on F4A. Um, it was appealed. Uh, the Ninth Circuit uh, dissolved the injunction. It got, uh, then got kicked up to the Supreme Court of the United States, who denied uh, to hear it. And then so it goes now back to the district court to do what the appellate court had told it to do, which was to dissolve the injunction. Um, however, a new party has come into this case. Oh, IDA. Yeah, and they are... Uh, they're on fire. I mean, they uh, they filed uh, for a, an, an injunction not based on F4A, but based on the dormant commerce clause. Uh, sorry, the dormant commerce clause. Um, it's a theory that's was raised early, but never litigated really. Um, so uh, they have filed an injunction for that. A response uh, is due, I believe, in March from uh, California, and. Uh, the injunction uh, will be heard uh, in May, okay. so we've got a we've got a few months, five months, uh, until we get another update there. So, if I if I remember correctly, OIDA stated it was unconstitutional AB five, and the reason for that was it was an unfair uh, playing field between the other forty nine states that do not have any of those type of laws. Right. So California, help me, you know. Yes, absolutely. For me, Thomas. Yes, absolutely. So the Dormant Commerce Clause is a, a theory where the state's restrictions can't be so burdensome on other, uh, on interstate commerce, uh, essentially. So while you have the right uh, to, to kind of do what you want as a state, it can't affect uh, it can't put an undue burden on interstate commerce, and it can't be discriminatory from out-of-state businesses and things like that. So that make, makes much more sense compared to the uh, federal aviation attempt. Yeah, I, it's in, in both. Um, the F4A had a lot of, um, on its face, maybe doesn't didn't look like uh, it, it would have been the, the big winner here, but it, there's a lot of precedent that I think beefed it up. Um, in the district court, obviously, Judge Benitez, I believe, uh, agreed that F4A was uh, a, a good argument there. Uh, Ninth Circuit didn't. Um, however, I really like the Dormant Commerce Clause argument. I think it's clever. Um, it certainly does cause an undue burden on commerce. Um, uh, there's very few, if any, other states that have uh, independent contractor laws that are this strict uh, or cut this deep. Um, so, and we had, 
the Borello test and other laws that the ABC test, yeah, uh, that 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 uh, were fine. They work just fine, um, and so that will likely be the argument, um, or likely is the argument of uh, OOIDA, um, that hey, look at this burden uh, that you're causing on everyone trying to do business in California. We had these laws that classified the independent contractors uh, just fine, and you know, as stated, I believe in the brief of OOIDA, um, they, they hadn't seen any instances of misclassifications under the Borello test. So there was law there that was kind of fine. They made it stricter, and now, now they've made it harder for other companies to come in there and do business, and that is sort of the undue burden. So what the injunction states, Thomas, if I'm, li if I'm listening to you correctly, it says that one state can't be far off from all the other states. Right. Unless, I mean, there's interstate a commerce. Basically, dumb it down, right? Right. And there's, there are exceptions, you know, like public safety or congressional authority. So you can, there are sometimes exceptions, but generally, absolutely. So there, there's like a case uh, out of Oklahoma at one point, that's a famous dormant commerce clause case, where if you were driving through, it might have been North Dakota or something, I forget. It's been a while since I had con law, um, but the, uh, you had to get out and change your mud flaps, right? They had a strict rules on mud flaps on trucks mm -hmm. and going, when going through that state. So if you were going through that, you were technically violating um, state law because your mud flaps were not the proper size. Um, things like that where you've got to then stop, get out, change your mud flaps just so you can drive through Oklahoma, obviously that creates an undue burden. Correct. Um, so it's a kind of a similar thought here. Now, then there are other instances, um, such as Michigan has a law that's been challenged before under the Commerce Clause that you have to label all the food, all the body parts in any meat that may be, you know, that you're packaging and selling. Uh, but only Michigan has it. And so, obviously, the argument was, well, this puts an undue burden, um, but Michigan had that burden on its own citizens as well, um, and it was a health and safety issue. So, uh, they were allowed to get that through. Here, I don't know that you have those, those exceptions. You have the undue burden. Where it may cut is that burden also falls on the, the, its own citizens. So, California citizens are burdened by this not just people coming through California. Right. And when that's the case, sometimes it doesn't have an, un it's just a bad law for everybody. And that's a little bit different. That's where it kind of cuts both ways, right? Right. Where it's not necessarily discriminatory against out-of-staters because the people there also have this tough right. law to It's not by. discriminatory to anyone who's not based, working based out of California. It, it's discriminatory for everyone that is based in California. Because just because you're based in California, if you're an over-the-road truck driver right. and you're an owner-operator and you're leased to a trucking company, let's say you're on a lease, lease purchase. So you're, you're driving for the company as well as paying off the right. equipment. So, so getting fruits, vegetables, things from California to other places, 
you're now creating an empty burden Correct. on on in on interstate commerce because they can't sort of export it to another state. Right. It's clever. It's it's going to yeah. be basically another tax. It's in, yes. And then you have the union involvement from a port perspective. Yes. Um, and and you know a, a for enforcement right now too. I, you know I've read some articles, talked to a few people about it. It's still I think everybody's just trying to figure it out. Right. I don't think you're going to see real aggressive enforcement before May. So what happens then? They choose to leave California. Right, which is what, well, I mean, they're already seeing an exodus right. out of California into Been Texas. Been watching it. Um, and that will... Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not certainly not criticizing or anything, but it, 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 in the big scheme, I mean, it calls you to sort of be isolated. Who's going to bring things? Right. Um, now, obviously, it's warm there all the time, so they have all the things they would need. Um, but people will, you know, rates are going to have to go up to even get people to go there. Um, they're, the native drivers are likely... They're going to have to raise their... They're going to have to raise rates. And they're sort of transient anyways. I mean, a lot of times the drivers and, and transportation folks move around. I think you'd admit yeah. that. I mean, it's yeah. not uncommon that they go to different states. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I predict if this goes through, you know, they're going to see some real crunches. And obviously it affects not just trucking, lots of industries. Oh, yeah. It'll affect yeah, everyone. I mean, <laughs> it's going to it's going to it's going to go deep. I, I just don't I don't see um, a positive other than, it, you know, if, if the OIDA position wins out in May, which I think we all hope happens. I think that... And there's a real chance. Yeah. I mean, it's and a real argument. Th it's, this is a legitimate, fact-based argument from OIDA. So they're requesting an injunction. At some point in time, either, you know, is California going to give up on this? Or are they going to keep keep driving the bus, right? So, um, you know, for those of you watching, um, Thomas has, has a lot of background, a lot of history. That's why we have him on here. Uh we haven't seen enforcement moving forward. Nothing, I, I would expect nothing will change until we have an, uh, a judgment in May on the injunction request, correct? Yeah, I don't think we're, I mean, I, I'm, I don't think the, um, the state has filed its brief uh, in opposition of, of, of the injunction. So when that comes in, I'm going to check in on that. That'll probably, you know, just to see what the arguments are against. We'll have you back on when we have that. Uh, but that will likely be the last update, and then there'll be the uh, district court injunction hearing. So it's back in front of Judge Benitez once again, who, remember, has already granted one injunction. Right. And then he requested the Supreme, you know, they wanted to push it up to the Supreme Court. Yeah, the, when it was appealed up to the Ninth Circuit and then to the Supreme Court, it comes back down now to Judge Benitez to dissolve the first injunction and now hear this second piece. So right now, if there was a way to enforce it, legally California could enforce it. Uh, yeah. Today. Today. I, I, I wouldn't suggest, um, I mean, obviously, we, we would suggest to comply. Right. <laughs> um, and, and to use some of those uh, ideas that we had uh, in our first podcast together on this, you know, to ask somebody to just change their entire business model overnight uh, it's, it's I don't tough. think it, I don't think it can change without I think what well what, people will leave people are leaving I mean that's the yeah 
I mean, where they're filing for their own authority. They, and they can't be leased on to anybody else. Right. It's one of the two. If the industry has always kind of done things one way, and now the most populated state says not, not anymore, that's, that's, that's going to take a minute to adjust right. to. And that's, and that's why I said I can't imagine everybody's just going to get hammered with no. non-compliance. And they, I think it will you know, be a warning like, hey, you gotta, we got to do these things. That, that would be my guess um, as far as enforcement. Uh, but we'll see come May. I think, I think they got a real shot to, to, to get this enjoined. Um, and obviously, the, all of the industry folks are sort of rooting for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Thomas, as always, thank you. Appreciate you. My man. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with our viewers. And uh, we look forward to hearing an update. We're waiting for... Um, we'll see the briefs filed. And maybe some of the, the pleadings going back and forth. When we'll do you think those. we'll see that? I'll get in. Uh, well, it's. I think the opposition brief is not due till uh, March, I believe I saw. But I'll check back in on that. So February, March. We'll, yeah, we'll check back in. All right. That sounds great. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, John. All right. Bye.